the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. And as I've shared with you in the past, I must be crazy because I actually have three law degrees. I went to law school for a really long time. So in addition to my JD, I also hold a couple of master's degrees. That is to say, I am a master of the laws of taxation law and also a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. Now, on top of that, even before I went to law school and including the time I've been in law school, I've spent the last nearly 40 years on this planet fighting for the economic empowerment of women, people of color, seniors, and veterans. Now, because of my training and my experiences and my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and wealth creation and wealth preservation and wealth transfer and the roles these particular aspects of the social science of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. But I also practice debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. And I'm proud to say that as part of my overall practice, I sometimes have the opportunity to dig down deep and attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors who find ourselves, themselves, the targets of more uh, and more charlatans who believe that just because we reach the age of being a senior, that puts a financial target on our foreheads and our backs. And I really don't like those people. Now, I'm coming to you again today to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and, of course, small business owners. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least a general outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find qualified professional help if you have a legal issue, a legal matter that intersects with your finances and your assets. So, this week we'll continue to follow up on my admonition that perhaps those of us who want to see our 11 million neighbors, or as I like to say, our brothers and sisters in Christ, or whomever or whatever you believe in, 
And these are folks who are facing eviction. If we want to help them stay in their homes and not be kicked to the curbs in the middle of a pandemic, perhaps we should refocus our gaze and our advocacy away from Washington, D.C. and towards our state and local governmental units and officials who are charged with distributing the $47 billion with a B and light a fire under their behinds and make sure they understand the urgency as much as we do about our friends and families. Now, to reiterate where things stand right now, on August 3, 2021, President Biden instructed the Center for Disease Control and Prevention to reinstate a narrower, more focused, more targeted version of the nationwide moratorium on evictions that is to last until October 3rd, 2021, in the wake of the June 30, 2021, Supreme Court decision in the case of Alabama Association of Realtors at Al versus the United States Department of Health and Human Services at Al that's currently pending in the United States District Court for the District of Columbia, and that's case number 20-CV-3377-DLF. Now, that case is being presided over by District Court Judge Dabney L. Friedrichs, who ruled that the CDC, that is the subunit of the HHS, lacked the constitutional and or statutory authority to implement a nationwide eviction moratorium. However, she put her own ruling on hold to give the executive branch the opportunity to appeal her decision to the D.C. Circuit. However, in response, the landlord slash uh, realtor plaintiffs appealed the stay of Judge Friedrich's ruling to the D.C. Circuit, where they lost, and then they went on to the Supreme Court with the goal of having the stay in Judge Friedrich's ruling immediately lifted so evictions could recommence immediately. However, and notwithstanding his substantive agreement, with the four conservative justices in the Supreme Court, Justice Kavanaugh, who wrote this one-page, actually one-paragraph decision back on June 29, 2021, that stated, and I quote, because the CDC plans to end the moratorium in only a few weeks, which at the time of his opinion, that was on July 31st, that was when it was to end, he goes on to say, and because those few weeks will allow for additional and more orderly distribution of the congressionally appropriated rental assistance fund, I step out, I'm talking about, and he's talking about that $47 billion with a B that I keep harping on, Justice Kavanaugh goes on to say, I vote at this time to deny the application to vacate the district court's stay of its own order. Now, he cited some cases talking about balancing the equities, as I shared with you before, and he found that in balancing those equities, the party to be more harmed than the other party would be those who would be kicked to the curb. Now, there and after, on August 4th, 2021, the landlord realtors went back into Judge Friedrich's court asking her to squash the new moratorium uh, implemented by the, the president via the CDC. Uh, he, they basically felt that it was a mere pretext, and it was basically the same moratoria that the court 
her court had already ruled to be unconstitutional. So then on August 6, 2021, the government filed its response asking the court to enter an administrative stay, stating, and I quote, any injury to the plaintiffs, that's to say the landlords and the, the realtors who were acting on their behalf, caused by a temporary administrative stay is outweighed by the risk of illness and mortality if the moratorium targeting areas of high or substantial transmission is unnecessarily lifted at the moment when new cases are rapidly increasing due to the highly contagious Delta variant. That's what the CDC said in its response pleading. In her Friday, August 13th, 2021 ruling, Judge Friedrich said, and I quote, on August 4th, the plaintiff filed the emergency motion to enforce the Supreme Court's ruling and to vacate the stay pending appeal. In their motion in opposition, the government argued that the D.C. Circuit's June 2nd judgment is the law of the case and so requires this court to maintain the stay. Uh, she went on to say before addressing the motion, she had to look in to see what was up. And she came to the conclusion that the law of the case doctrine prevented her from lifting the stay. And therefore, this court, her court, will deny the plaintiff, the landlord realtor's motion. Then Judge Friedrich went on to explain in great detail, I think quite eloquently, um, the law of the case and what it means. But for brevity's sake here, I'll share with you my abbreviated version, something that I learned when a particular judge in a bankruptcy court very kindly but firmly chided me for not taking no for an answer on a particular issue I was advocating for in that particular case. And then he very kindly and succinctly explained the law of the case doctrine to me, and I'll share it with you now. The judge said, under the law of the case doctrine, a court is ordinarily precluded from re-examining an issue previously decided by that same court or a higher court in the same case. So, here in Judge Friedrich's court, inasmuch as the D.C. Circuit, the higher court than hers, had already overruled her decision on the matter of the stay, under the law of the case doctrine, she was foreclosed from finding anything other than what the D.C. Circuit had concluded, and that was that the stay remained in effect. So then on August 14, 2021, the Realtor Landlord Group, they filed an emergency motion to vacate the stay pending appeal and for the immediate um, uh, vacature of that particular order. They filed this emergency appeal in the D.C. Circuit, to which the D.C. Circuit gave the government until this past Wednesday, August the 18th, to respond along with the, that court's promise to quickly decide the issue. And it did so as of the date of this recording, August 20, 2021, as reported by Tina Davis in Bloomberg Law in a headline, Eviction Ban Survives Appeal Clearing the Way for the Supreme Court. Miss Davis stated, and I quote, a U.S. Court of Appeals court rejected an emergency motion to halt 
the national ban on eviction, clearing the way for the case to go to the United States Supreme Court. She goes on to say a trio of judges denied a bid by the Alabama Association of Realtors to suspend an earlier court ruling that allowed the eviction moratoria to continue. The ruling comes one week after U.S. District Court Dabney Friedrich rejected their plea to block the new eviction moratorium established by the CDC, even as she voiced concerns over the legality of the policy. The ban was extended by the Biden administration on August the 3rd. When we come back, we'll continue our look at the other side of this issue. That is to say, if the eviction moratorium remains in place and Congress has already allocated $47 billion with a B to pay all of these tenants back rent, why are the landlords fighting so hard to still evict these tenants? I, sh- I should have shared with you last time because there are big bottlenecks in the process. So when we come back, we'll continue our discussion. But please stay tuned. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law. Now, before we took our break, I posed the $64 million question, and that is, if the eviction moratorium is still in place and Congress has already allocated and the president has already approved the $47 billion with a B to flow through the tenants to the landlord to pay all of this missing and late and unfound rent, rental payments, why are the landlords fighting so hard uh, to evict these tenants? Isn't the federal government's money good enough? Isn't it green enough? Well, it's because the money is not flowing to the landlords in any flow or any stream. It's just trickling down. And instead, it's caught up in various state and or local government bureaucratic processes. Now, last week I began an analysis of the logjam by looking at what's going on in Alaska and California, and I've also decided to throw another state in the mix, another state that I have a connection with, and that is to say the state of Mississippi. Now, the the goal of this is to see if we can identify where the bottleneck is, and because I know some people listen to this show, perhaps they can, you know, go back to their various uh, individuals who are in, in charge of this bursting these funds, perhaps fix the bottleneck. But first, I want to take a moment to level set by helping us all understand how much money uh, each of these states have been given or allocated to deal with the pandemic in general and the rental relief, the emergency rental relief programs in particular. So, Again, I want to look at three states that I have a direct connection with, Alaska, California, and Mississippi. So first, I want to look at the scope of the problem. And I found a very uh, helpful uh, website that has information about the rental debt problem in each of these states. Actually, it didn't have information about Mississippi, but it has information about 40 of the states in all of the territories. And that uh, particular website is the National Equity Atlas. And so I'm not going to give out um, website 
uh, addresses because you can Google it. But, you know, this is a relatively short one. It's called, uh, let's see, it's www.nationalequityatlas.org. And it has gone to the trouble to identify the debt, the rent debt in America as of the date uh, of this broadcast. Uh, For example, in Alaska, it has compiled data to show that there are 13,000 households that are behind on their rent. And that equates to $57,800,000. And then they estimate the debt per household as $4,300. So I'm. let me just give you the, the headline of what they say here on their website. They say mounting rent debt and the potential for mass eviction is one of the most pressing equity issues created by the pandemic. For an equitable recovery, policymakers must eliminate rent debt and prevent eviction. This regularly updated dashboard provides the data on who is behind on their rent and the estimated amount of uh, uh, rent that's owed between, that is to say, June 23rd through July 5th, 2021, and they use the Census Household Survey as the source for coming up with this information. And the data is available for the United States, and they've picked 40 states and all of the counties in that states and 15 metropolitan areas. And so what I like about this particular website, you can sort on the state or you can have an overall picture. So I I picked Alaska, but you also can pick the other 39 states that they've identified in the metropolitan areas. So, for example, if you click on the United States as a whole, you, you, that number is they figured that there are an estimated 6,398,000 households that are behind on their rent right now. And the estimated total rental debt that's due, or that is to say past due now, is 21 billion, with a B, 346,400 thousand uh, dollars and they estimate the the rent debt per household to be thirty three hundred dollars and they even break it down by uh, the percentage of people who are behind on their rent sixty four percent are people of color eighty one percent are low income individuals making less than fifty thousand dollars fifty one percent are unemployed and forty eight percent lost income in the preceding four weeks before this particular uh, survey was taken. So that's the overall picture. So again, Alaska, 13,000 households, 57.8 million in total rent debt, 4,400 in Alaska, people of color, 64%, low income under 50,000, 81%, unemployed, 58%, uh, lost income in the past four weeks, 47%. So then let's go on and look at what's happening in California. The National Equity Atlas projects, based on their survey information, that in California, 807,000, 
807,000 households are behind on their rent. And the amount of rent that's due is $3.5 billion with a B and some change. And the estimated debt per household is $4,400. In California, the National Equity Atlas states that persons of color that are affected by their inability to pay rent jumps up to 76%. Low-income individuals, those making $50,000 or less, 75%. Unemployed, 57%. Those who lost income in the last four weeks, 51%. And so, as you can see, this is a huge huge problem. Now, because they didn't have the information on Mississippi, I decided to look at what's going on in the San Francisco Bay Area. So, the San Francisco Bay Area, for those of you who don't know, that's, when you look at it, you take statistics from San Francisco, Oakland, and Fremont, California. Now, in a Bay Area, 101,000 households are behind in their rent. And the estimated total rent that's due is $562,700,000. No, excuse me, $562,700,000 is the estimated total rent debt. And that's an estimated $5,600 per household in the Bay Area. Again, the It really impacts people of color more so than anyone else. Of the people behind in their rent, 78% are people of color. 59% make less than $50,000 a year. 44% are unemployed. It seems that we have a higher employment rate in the Bay Area than California-wide or what's going on in Alaska. And lost income in the last four weeks, 51%. So I'm sharing this with you so you can understand the scope of the problem because you have to understand the scope of a problem before you can come up with a a solution for it necessarily. So I went to another website to find out how much money was allocated. And I'm just going to be real quick here because we're going to have to continue this discussion, it looks like, because we're running out of time. But let's go to Alaska. According to the Peterson Foundation, um, and you can find them at PGP Foundation, and it's an organization uh, that looks at fiscal issues. It's a nonpartisan organization that looks at the government's budget and how it's allocating funds based on its uh, public policy priorities. So it broke down that $47 billion that goes to rent, as well as the overall amounts of money that have been allocated from Congress to deal with the pandemic in all areas. So, for example, Alaska's portion of all of the CARES Act money comes to $10 billion. Now, the amount that it has allocated for rental assistance is $352 million. If we look at California, using that same criteria, California, for all of the economic uh, uh, impact issues that have been brought on by the pandemic, Congress has allocated $525 billion with a B, and of that... 4.6 billion to go to rents 
And in Mississippi, Congress has allocated $31.5 billion for all the different programs with $356 million allocated for rental assistance programs. So, uh, again, this is to level set. Now, when we get together next time, we'll continue this discussion. But So we're going to close out for now, but as uh, we, we like to say here at Selwyn's Law, we want to stay on the right side of the law, and we want to be knowledgeable about the law, including all the laws dealing with our ability to stay in our homes in the midst of this raging pandemic. But in the meantime, as always, I urge you to please get vaccinated if you have not been vaccinated until we achieve herd immunity. As you, if you're not living under a rock, you know there's a second wave of this more virulent version of this pandemic of COVID going around. So please get vaccinated. And even still, Please keep your social distance, mask up, and wash your hands. I want to be able to discuss this matter with you again next week. So, till next time, take care. Bye for now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.